Heavenly Father, Lord God, I just come before you again and Lord, just thank you for uh, what you're doing, Lord, in the world. We know that uh, we have the option of choosing where we uh, place our eyes. We can place our eyes on all the grim things that are going on, which we know through Scripture these things are going to take place. So we shouldn't be caught off guard as believers. But there's so much good that's going on within uh, the hearts of, of people, Lord, that you're, you're changing hearts, you're saving souls, and you're using your church. That's the main mechanism that you would like to use is the people that you have called already before you. So, Father, would you speak to us now through your word? Would you give us the encouragement, uh, if it need be, the conviction, whatever it is that we need to get the right insight uh, into what you are doing currently and what you want to do in our lives and through us. Lord, may we be aware of that today. May you receive all honor and glory that you deserve. It's in Jesus Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, this morning, church, we will, we will be in Acts chapter 18, and we'll be going through verses 18 through 23. So if you have a moment, please uh, go ahead and grab your Bible or grab your uh, device. Uh, if you're tech savvy, maybe you already have it up on your on your screen. Um, whatever you need to do to get the word in front of you, please do so. And I'll go ahead and read the scripture in just a minute. Um, I do not have that. Uh, I do not have the verses up today, so they won't be on the shared screen. So we'll be again in uh, Acts chapter 18, verses 18 through 23. And I'll go ahead and begin now. And it says, after this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Centuria he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a long period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. Verse 22. He had landed at Caesarea. He went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. I've entitled this message, God's Timing, God's Will. And that's something that I personally have just been seeing and sensing more and more in these last few weeks as the fact that God's timing is so critical and obviously God's will that's what we want and so we will we'll just we're just going to continue to see this as we go on in our Christian faith and our walk with the Lord that uh, again the Lord's timing is so critical and how we need to trust in his timing and his will in all matters. Uh, last week, we were blessed by Daniel bringing the word, and uh, we learned uh, about the role of, of church and state and how they play, how they interact with one another, and, and what the, the limits should be uh, within both uh, entities. Uh, we as the church are obviously to abide by the laws of the land so as they don't go against God's word. Ultimately, we know that our allegiance is to Jesus Christ, and we must choose to obey him over man's ideals if they are contrary to the Bible. That's what we learned last week. And again, thank you, Daniel, for, for that teaching. It was great. 
today we will reach the end of Paul's second missionary journey. And in this, in these few verses that we see here this morning, we're, we're going to learn a great deal of how the Lord led Paul to fulfill his purpose in Christ. We will see how free, how we as believers, we have freedom in Christ to serve him. Uh, we have freedom to 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 go before him with with certain things uh, as a vow and 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 do that and do that in freedom and not be uh you know a slave to it or under the law we'll 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 learn what is at the heart of a vow and why do people uh choose to uh take a vow with the lord we will also again like i mentioned earlier uh, learn about how the Lord's timing is critical and crucial to the church and how we as Christians need to learn to uh, be okay with the Lord's timing, uh, though it may not line up with what we think our timeline should be. It's the Lord's timing. He's sovereign over all things and he will develop his own uh, timing of how things will play out in the world. And lastly, we will learn how uh, leaders within the church and mature believers as well should be working to see others around them grow in Christ, be it uh, young believers in the Lord or believers that are people that have not uh, accepted Christ. But our uh, one of our main purposes in within the church is to see brothers and sisters mature and grow up in the Lord and get off that milk and get into the meat. All right. Several main points that we will go over this morning, and I'll get a little bit more into them, but they're here. The first thing is this. What is at the heart of taking a vow? So we're probably in the 21st century, right? We're, we're probably most familiar with vows from wedding ceremonies that we've attended, right? Um, you know, the bride and the groom, they either create their own vows or they go to scripture and, and, and the officiating pastor will read off these, these verses and, and, and they will say, yes, I commit to this, I do. And, you know, you may kiss the bride and they go on their way. But, but what, does, what does it mean? What, what do these vows mean and, and why do people take them? Today, we're going to learn about what Paul, uh, you know, why Paul took this vow and why he ended it. We will look back into uh, the Old Testament a little bit to, to see uh, how vows came to be and their place and purpose within the life of a believer. And again, lastly, we will see that we have the freedom today as Christians in Christ to either take a vow or or not to. And, and, and you know, either or, it's not one's wrong and one's right. But we will see that, you know, again, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, we have freedom now to serve him in the capacity that he shows us. All right, the second main point that we have this morning is this. We will learn that all doors are opened and closed in God's timing and by his will. In our text this morning, we will see that a door opens for Paul that um, previously, in previous uh, you know, verses, was closed. Uh, he didn't have the opportunity to go where he once thought he was supposed to go at first. We will learn the, the significance of God's timing and how... The Lord's timing is always perfect, right? I'll ask this question. Have, have you ever had an opportunity taken away only to ask the Lord, why was this so? Why did, why did this happen? Why, why did you not allow me to do this? I'm, I'm sure we've all had situations like that where we thought something was supposed to go down and all of a sudden the door closed. And once we really figured out and understood what was going on, we, we learned later on that, that that door, that specific door being closed was the absolute best thing that could have ever happened to us at that point in time. 
And if that that door was to open, it would only be by his will and his timing and not our own. So we will kind of get a a, a, a little in, more in-depth look at that about, again, how the Lord's timing is critical in everything that goes on within the body of Christ. The third main point uh, that we will look at this morning in these few verses is this. We will see the importance of building up new believers to become mature, mature excuse me, disciples instead of merely just trying to see people converted. So we look at Paul, the apostle. It was never in his heart to merely be used to introduce people to Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. That, that, is, that is a very noble thing to do. That's, that we are commanded to go to the ends of the earth. That's, one, that's the great commission to share Jesus Christ with those around us. Paul went further in the sense that he just sensed the need to do more. The Lord had given him a gifting, had given him a mission to do this, and this was uh, critical for Paul to to accomplish this, uh, used by the Holy Spirit. He had a great desire to see those who had come to Jesus Christ already mature and thrive in their relationship with him. He was willing to be used to nurture young believers into becoming all that God had planned for them to be. When you and I, when we look at our brothers and sisters in Christ around us, do we have this same desire to see those around us spiritually mature? And are we being used to bring about their best in Christ? This is what we're going to look at today. All right, so let's go ahead and begin to unpack these verses. And I'll start with Acts chapter 18, verse 18. And it reads, After this, Paul stayed many days longer and took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Centuria he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. So here we see that uh, Paul had stayed in Corinth for a certain length of time. He stayed there for a while. And the unique thing about him in Corinth is he wasn't forced out, right? We know that in the previous uh, couple cities that he was in, uh, he was driven out. He was driven out by an angry mob of people. He was driven out by the high council. They didn't want anything to do with what he was teaching, and, and they made an attempt to get him out of their uh, their place uh, where they live, their environment. But here in Corinth, he was not forced out. Jesus had recently, if you recall, uh, he had appeared to Paul in a vision, and, and the Lord had told him not to be afraid and continue to share the gospel with boldness. Well, right here in this verse, in Acts chapter 18, verse 18, we see that this promise came to fruition because he was able to continue to preach and to teach the word in confidence in Christ and he wasn't driven out. No hand that came upon him at this particular time, uh, you know, would hurt him at all. And the whole point of him staying longer, what do we get out of this? Well, the important thing here is it shows us that we need to know when we are to stay in certain situations and circumstances and when we are to go. Because there are many times that we decide or I decide to leave, you know, out of a situation simply because we want to go or I want to go. I'm like, uh, you know, it's time, it's time to depart from here and, and I'm out. But, um, you know, we want to be weary of that. We want to seek the Lord in what we are to do, when we are to do and when we're not to do. We think it's time to go and we go. But what if the Lord hasn't called us to leave? What happens then? 
Well, the reality is this. Sometimes we miss out on critical opportunities to be used by God because we're not aware of him wanting us to stay put or when or whether or not he wants us to 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 go to take off but that, again that that's that's allowing yourself to be hardwired to the holy spirit and have your spiritual antennas up and aware of when we are to leave and when we are to go a, a quick example something that happened this week so um you know where we live now we're off of uh gosh I don't know, uh, landis and we're behind the target and you know the little the the um the condos we live in are you know there's the whole little back strip where it's like the back of the the little you know uh the the stores and everything and you know when we when we came living here several months back, we noticed that, you know, there were, uh, you know, some homeless people that kind of would, you know, trek back and forth. And there was this one guy in particular that, you know, I just would, you know, when I'm going to pick up my son or my daughter from uh, my, my in-laws during the week, I I would see, you know, this guy, you know, just in a sleeping bag, like on the, the side of the road. And I remember one, one, uh, one weekend we were going, coming back from somewhere and, you know, I uh, saw him again and, you know, I was just telling Veronica, I just feel like I got to do something, you know, because I see this guy all the time. Not that we made eye contact or anything, but I noticed him and I've noticed him more than once. And the Lord would always bring to my mind or bring to my heart, you know, the good Samaritan. It's like, man, the priest seen this dude and, you know, the person he like he, the priest tell me you should be the first person to go help this person out. Walked away. The Levite, same thing. Wouldn't even touch him. You know, it was the half breed Samaritan that that had, you know, the 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 heart to actually go help this homeless person to get him, you know, this hurt person and get them up and so you know i was like well i, I can't really put them up with a with a hotel for a room because really what's that going to do you know and so anyways long story short there was a day where i don't know what happened i think uh it was kalos had the day off and so they were he him and his sister were at my my in-laws so it was just me and i had to go to the store for something and i saw him and the Lord was like, you just pull over. You need to pull over. And so I pulled over and, you know, I went to talk to him, asked him, you know, if he, uh, he was saved, asked him if he needed anything. I had a little bit of money. I gave it to him. And, you know, um, the whole point of the story is the Lord opened the opportunity. And those other times before I wasn't able to do something or to be used to do something, but it was on my heart to do something because I, I saw this man. And it's like, you know, we have to show compassion to, to the people around us. But then the Lord opened up a door when, you know, my wife wasn't there. My kids weren't there. It was safe for me to go and interact with this individual. And, um, you know, that was cool. Unfortunately, I still see him there. And I don't think I'm going to, I don't, well, I don't want to get into it, but I just don't know if I'm going to give him money again. Cause I kind of seen him smoking, you know, weed. And I'm like, I don't want to support a habit like that, but Lord willing, you know, he'll get off the street and hopefully something will, will come about uh, better for him. Um, in that situation. But that was just an example about, you know, the the Lord's timing and, and us being willing to stay when he says stay and go when he says go. As Paul left for Syria, uh, he took, moving on, he took Priscilla and Aquila with him. Again, we see that this relationship between uh, Paul and this married couple had grown stronger. And as, as uh, again, Paul would head back east to Jerusalem then after he was in Antioch. And this was a big deal, and we'll learn about why uh, why this took place, why he uh, he had them with them, and what they would actually do later on when when Paul would leave for Jerusalem. Lastly, we see here in this uh, first verse that uh, at century of Paul uh, he cut off his hair, and he did this because uh, this was part of him ending a vow that he had taken with taken up with the Lord. Okay, so here's our first main point: What is a vow, and why is it important? Well, a vow, if you don't know already, is a promise to God which involves some kind or some form of sacrifice. 
But but here's here's like the kicker. Here's the caveat in in this whole thing about making a vow. It's all about the intent of the heart of an individual. The application for us is simply this. Um, you know, I can make vows all day. You can make vows all day. But but if we're not if we're not truly honoring God with our decision. And if our decisions or our lifestyle doesn't reflect what we're saying with our mouths, it's just an empty ritual, if you will. It's simply, in a, in a sense, it's just lip service. Um, you think about it on, on a lower level. Um, it's like when, you know, we tell somebody, oh, you know, I'll, I'll come I'll come to your house uh, next Tuesday and I'll, I'll help, you know, move the, you know, whatever the broken shed out of the back or whatever. Right. We, 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 we give them our word that we're going to do it, you know, human to human. But, you know, whatever for whatever reason, we break our promise and and we don't come through. It's 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 we flake out, you know, on, on a human level. That's kind of what's going on here. Um, the Lord obviously would rather us not commit right if we're if we're just going to flat out flake be flaky about it right the word is clear let your yes be your yes and let your no be your no and you know if you look at it this is why um in 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 many instances you know marriages marriages fail um you know people uh will 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 take vows you know to to love one another for life but fail to realize in sickness and in health and for better or for worse are are real right these are these are real things like for better or for worse like i'm gonna be with you like you know meaning like if you become you know in a situation where you're not like the person (laughs) you know i was when i married you i'm still gonna work it out with you we're gonna get through it or in sickness and in health you know i mean some people can be very shallow and cruel and like you know a person doesn't look the same way they looked on their wedding night and all of a sudden they're ready to buck out and they don't want to be with them anymore you know that's not that's not a good look that's not the way uh things should be we know that um, in every marriage, you're going to go through rocky times. You're going to go through rocky seasons. And if your heart is not in it, right, obviously led by the Lord, uh, you know, uh, garnered with the Holy Spirit, you're going to fall out in, 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 in hard times. And, you know, we look more at this vow, this, um, this vow that that um, Paul had taken, it was more or less a Nazarite vow. Uh, you can you can read about that in Numbers chapter six. This was usually a vow that was taken for a certain period of time. And when it was done, the man's hair would be cut off and offered to the Lord in a special ceremony in the temple in Jerusalem. And that this is what's going on with Paul here and, and, and why he wants to go to Jerusalem, or one of the reasons why he wants to go to Jerusalem after this period of time. The purpose of the vow was to express a certain unique type of consecration to God, like a certain type of service to the Lord, you know, or just, you know, growing closer to him in this way, um, promising to abstain from all products made from the grapevine. That was one of the requirements for the Nazarite vow, and also to not cut off one's hair and to never touch any dead body. If you recall, um, this is the same vow that Samson, unfortunately, broke numerous times in his uh, you know, in his lifetime with what went on with him. Some uh, here would argue that Paul was wrong for taking this vow when he was clearly no longer under the law. Those who take this view, though, this is the interesting thing, they fail to understand the many factors of why Paul would decide to take this vow in the first place. The first thing was that he's a Jew. He's a Jew, so it's not far-fetched to see that he may have taken the vow or he had the right to take the vow if he so chose to do. 
Um, it, it's also critical to point out that he had the freedom in Jesus Christ to make this vow to the Lord. It truly was a matter of the heart and it had nothing to do with being under the law, having to do it, not having to do it. He had the freedom to do so. First Corinthians chapter 10 Verse 31 tells us, So whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. And honestly, um, Paul had taken this vow. It was motivated by gratitude. Gratitude for what the Lord had done for him. Gratitude for what the Lord was doing in and through his life. And, and he wanted to present this to the Lord as a sacrifice, as an offering to him. It was something, it was a personal decision. It wasn't something that he had forced on other people, other believers to do. We know the Bible is clear about that, about the eating of, of meat. And, and some choose to abstain from it and some don't. But that shouldn't be a, a dividing, a deciding factor on whether or not we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we see this here in the text. Paul wanted to express again and express his dedication and separation to the Lord for the Lord's service. Um, When you think about uh, baptism, right? Water baptism. When you and I decide to get water baptized, Baptized, we're basically making a public profession of our faith. We're essentially saying that now, from now on, I identify with Jesus Christ. I no longer identify with the world. Well, the reality is when we take that, you know, submersion under the water and come back up, only time will tell really, right? Only time is going to tell if that public profession was genuine or if it's fake because, you know, we can get water baptized and that doesn't necessarily mean that our actions are going to change and we're going to stop living the lifestyle that we, we, we say we're forsaking, but time will tell. It's just a public profession. And, and this is what, you know, uh, what Paul was doing, but you could tell there was a depth to the vow because he kept the vow and it was something personal and private between him and the Lord. And that is the same thing with one who chooses water baptism. By Jewish tradition, a Nazarite vow could only be fulfilled in Judea. So this would explain, again, like I said before, one of the reasons why Paul would eventually travel out of the area and back to uh, Jerusalem. <clears throat> he started this vow in Centuria, not in Judea. Again, uh, signifying what the vow represented and when he would eventually end the vow where it would be ended at. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to verses 19 through 21. And it says, And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a long period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. Okay, so here we we see this is kind of the second point uh, about the Lord opening and closing doors in his time. Because if you recall, uh, years, two years earlier, Paul wanted to preach in Ephesus, but the Holy Spirit prevented him. The Holy Spirit did not allow Paul to go to Ephesus. That's in Acts chapter 16, verse 6. But now, present day in our text, the Holy Spirit allowed him to go to Ephesus and great results were seen from this, from this move of the Holy Spirit taking Paul to this place. And the application for us is this, God in his wisdom, in his infinite wisdom and understanding of all things, he has a special perfect timing for everything in our lives. We, we've we heard it uh, <clears throat> 
We have heard it before that the Lord reveal, will reveal to us three things, either yes, no, or wait. In Paul's case, and, and uh, you know, up to this point, it was wait to go to, to Ephesus, right? This is what the situation that Paul was in. He had to wait for the opportunity to go. Every time God says wait, he knows exactly why he's doing it. Lamentations chapter 3 verses 25 and 26 tell us this. It says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I think this is one of the hardest things for us to do just as people. Uh, Christians, obviously, but as people, just the way we're wired naturally. Waiting does not come easy for a lot of us. I'll speak for myself. Patience, yes, it is a virtue. That's something that I am constantly being challenged in and constantly having to grow in because I'll be honest, I lack patience. But, you know, this is something essential to have if you want to mature in your relationship with the Lord, because things are not just going to happen exactly the way we think, the way we want them to in some particular order uh, in our minds when the Lord is leading us. It's just not how it is. Sometimes we want things to move along quicker and we get frustrated. But if the Lord has not revealed to you and I what we're supposed to do, it's foolish to move ahead in our own wisdom. I think it is. And I think the Bible is clear that it is foolish to move ahead if you have not heard, if the Lord has not revealed to you what it's what you're supposed to do. Um, an example, honestly, just the state of the church throughout this pandemic, you know, I'll be honest, in the earlier months, I did not feel led to bring the church back. Let's get together physically. Let's get together outside. That just was not on my heart. And some people... Uh, were okay with it. Some people were frustrated about it, but the reality is, I can only I can only do what the Lord is showing me to do, right? And and that's just the reality that that we were in at that time. And obviously, things have changed. The Lord has opened up doors, and so now we're moving in that direction to move past where we have been. But again. It is all the Lord's timing, and I can't explain all the details of why I didn't feel led or I didn't sense the Lord showing me to, but that's just what it what it is. And so, um, you know, again, we I'm sure you, you all have your own circumstances that you've been in where the Lord has not answered you when you thought, you know, you were supposed to do something, and, and it's, you just have to wait on the Lord. Um, you know, a biblical example of this, and I think Daniel had spoke about this last week, remember Saul. Saul, when he was at battle, he was being attacked and, you know, he was getting antsy. He was getting nervous and he just reacted, right? right? He had an emotional reaction and he, he was like, Samuel's not here. I got to offer this sacrifice. Dude, you ain't, you do not have the authority to offer this sacrifice. You are not a priest. And, you know, we see the ramifications of Saul's actions. It was disastrous for him on a personal level, right? I mean, it, it pretty much, that was his undoing because he took the stance that he shouldn't have taken because he thought it's time, it's time, but it wasn't the Lord's time, right? So for us, we got to hang in there, you know, we got to be like, you know what? It's crazy. I don't know. Things are, are, are kind of, you know, wild around me, but it's like, if you have not had a peace in your heart from the Lord telling you to move forward, you can't. You know, or you shouldn't. I would advise you not to, right? Seek the Lord on the matter. Now, it's a whole other deal when you know clearly what to do, right? But you're just choosing not to go because of, of fear, of because of uncomfortability, or because you don't want the responsibility of doing whatever the Lord's calling you to do. So, right, it's a double-edged sword with that. But what we're talking about here is, you know, staying put until the Lord says it's time to go and Him opening up the door. 
for us specifically in this case here, um, you know, or with Paul, excuse me, think of all the people who would have missed out on hearing the gospel if Paul had went straight to Ephesus, uh, Ephesus the first time around. Just think about that. All the people that would have missed out because he wouldn't have interacted with all those people. He would have went straight to Ephesus and it would have been a whole different situation, right? The Bible is clear to be faithful in little things and the more he will add on, right? In his perfect timing, he will lift us up and he will give us more responsibility as he sees fit. Many times, you know, we think we're missing out on things when in reality we just need to be responsible for what's directly in front of us and i truly believe that the church is in a place now with just the pandemic and all the things that are going on in 2020 where honestly the lord is stripping the church down to the bare bones of what is essential right a lot of these things that we do as the church are not essential they're extra things they're i don't want to say they're fluff things but they're things that you just don't necessarily need you don't need all the bells and whistles you need the essential things right the essentials let the essentials be the essentials the scripture being lifted up jesus christ being lifted up if he wants you to have a you know a horse and pony in the parking lot for the kids then that's fine but if you're not doing the essentials that horse and pony and those balloons and all that other other stuff aren't going to make a difference at all, right? And so we need to be focused on what is the heart of the matter, what is right in front of our faces, and and it's it, it's 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 giving the Lord the honor and the respect He deserves, and being led to be used how He sees fit in that, and from that everything else will come about. Next, we see that Paul had left Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus for a specific reason. Something good had been started there with Paul's time to actually preach and teach there. And and Paul wanted to make sure that the work was going to continue. And so he entrusted these solid, mature believers as uh, to, to continue to, to help out and oversee the, the believers there. The application for us with that is this. It's, this is the model that we are to follow in the church, right? To build up and equip the saints so that they may continue to do the same. And this godly cycle can continue of people being converted, being brought up in the faith, growing to maturity and imparting that uh, faith and that belief to other people, other Christians, so they can continue to thrive. Um, there's a saying, and I'm sure you've heard it, and it, and it goes a, something like this, uh, you know, fish for a man, right? and he'll be able to eat for a day. You teach a man to fish, and he'll be able to eat for a lifetime. And this is essentially what Paul was doing with Priscilla and Aquila. He was basically equipping them to be fishers of men, to be able to, uh, you know, not just be able to fend for themselves, but to help others out so they could be able to do the same and to be able to thrive in Christ by allowing them to stay in emphasis, in Ephesus, excuse me, I keep saying emphasis, Paul was urging them to exercise their spiritual gifts for God's kingdom. For us, the application is this. If we never allow people to get involved in the work of the Lord, how are they going to be able to experience the blessing that comes with uh, the ministry of Christ? We all have a vital role to play within the body. In a healthy, mature, thriving church, is going to appoint members to specific roles, right? At the very least, the leadership is going to promote to the congregation to seek the Lord, to learn what their giftings are and to use them. This is something that is very important, right? We all we all are cogs in the wheel to make the church 
operate, right? It does not rest on one person. It never should rest on one or two people. Everyone, everyone here on this Zoom meeting is vitally important to the health and the strength and the vitality of this part of the body. If everyone does not do their part, we're not going to be effective. That is just the reality. And we see this. This is scripture. This is based on scripture. Next, we see that they asked Paul to stay longer, but instead he left for Jerusalem. Paul couldn't stay long in Ephesus because he wanted to present the offering of his Nazarite vow in Jerusalem at the upcoming feast. And we spoke about that earlier. So that's the reason for him leaving there. Okay, we have a couple more verses and this message will be done. Uh, Verse 22, let's see what it says here. And it says, speaking of Paul, he landed at Caesarea. He went up and greeted the church and then he went down to Antioch. So here we see... Paul successfully made the trip to Jerusalem and he did fulfill his Nazarite vow in the temple. Um, This is what it means when it says that he went up to greet the church, right? As he completed his vow, leaving Jerusalem, Paul returned to his home church in Syrian Antioch, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, They... The people there, right? The believers there, they had they had to be super excited to have Paul return and to tell them about all the work that had previously gone on in these past several years prior. And 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 this is something for us to understand and really take hold of, hold of for us today as well, because this again is biblical. This is not I'm not pulling things out of thin air when I when I share these things with you guys. The application is this: we see clearly through the scriptures that sometimes the Lord can call leaders to different ministries throughout their lifetimes. Um, it's not uncommon to have some kind of servant leader or pastor be led to a new work with a different group of people. That 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 just is happens. It's just part of it. Now, if it's if the pastor's leaving because of some kind of besetting sin and they did something wrong, that's a whole other thing. But if they're honestly following the Lord and they're called to do something else to a new work, that's okay. It's biblical. But it's also not uncommon to have a servant leader stay with the same group of people for a lifetime. You look at Jeremiah the weeping prophet, right? I mean, his ministry was all about repent, turn to back to the Lord, you know, get right with the Lord, see the Lord for who he is and turn away from your wicked ways. And, and you know, um, that was his ministry. And he was speaking to those specific people the whole time. That was his ministry. So we see, um, you know, the, 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 the opposite end of the spectrum for both. And they're both right. They're both okay. It's just, the, again, the Lord is, uh, you know, the, 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 the grand master, so to speak, you know, and he's going to move the chess pieces on the board where he sees fit. We have to be willing to allow him to move us as he sees fit. And we will get, uh, you know, we will get the most out of it by allowing him to, to move us as, as he wants to. The whole point is we should always have our eyes fixed on the Lord. Fixed on the Lord. And just like we were shown in a few verses earlier, believe that he will provide whatever or whomever we need or what we need in that perfect timing. Again, uh, a great example. I think we can relate to this. Just the season that we're in as Resilient Life Church. What we're, what, what's going on here? You know, there's, um, there's just changes going on and that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with change. We just have to understand this is part of the nature of life and the part of the nature of, of what God wants to do. He's, he's all about new works and, and, and that's a good thing. Um, I'm understanding more and more the need to ask 
the Lord, what is the state of the church and, and checking in. And obviously, you know, it, it starts with us as individuals, right? We we keep short accounts with the Lord and we ask the Lord, where where is my heart today? Where am I with you? And from that, it spreads to, you know, the, our other brothers and sisters in Christ. And, you know, the, these are healthy things. I think it's very unhealthy if we're not constantly checking in with the Lord and, and seeing what is the state of things? What are the state? What is the state of my personal relationship with you? What is the state of the church? It's 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 okay to ask, is the church dying? Is the church dead? Or is the church alive? You know, um, I think my role as a pastor, I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't ask those critical questions as hard as they may be to ask because no one wants to hear the church is dead. The church you're serving is a dead church. But, you know, it, we have to be honest and real with ourselves because we don't want to be those who are the last to find out that, oh, man, we're, we're, that the church is dead. We're not, you know, it's like being deceived and, and not, you know, not understanding what is going on. So uh, it takes a level of courage and honesty with yourself to be able to ask those critical questions. But it's essential for your spiritual maturity and your health and not only yours, but fellow believers as well. OK, let's go to the last verse. Uh, and it's found in Acts chapter 18, verse 23. And it says, After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia, uh, Galatia excuse me, and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. So we don't know exactly how long Paul spent back with his home, uh, t- the time that he spent with his home church, but we know that he did go there for an extent. From the way it is written, uh, you can get the sense that it was kind of a, a quick trip, and then he moved on to his next missionary journey. Paul's main goal of this trip was to strengthen all of the believers, all of the disciples that were made in these previous places. So he went back to all the churches that he was used to found. Uh, he he. Uh, he went back to Tarsus, he went back to Derby. he went back to Lystra, he went back to Iconium, and he went back to Antioch. Um, the application for us in, in this is, like Paul, one, one of our greatest passions should be helping and seeing other believers mature in their walk with Jesus Christ. Um, you know, we don't want to, uh, as the Bible says, we don't want to have dry bones, right? We don't want to be perpetually living in a valley where there is no growth, there is no maturity uh, in us or around us. We want to be those that are, you know, living off the the, the, the living water uh, that Jesus Christ provides, He Himself living off of Christ. We need to remember it's not only about starting the race, right? But it's also about finishing and not finishing sluggishly like you barely making it, your tongue hanging out your mouth and you're, you know, you're on your knees crawling to the finish line. But you want to finish strong, right? You want to finish with vitality and vibrance and, 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 and energy and strength in Christ. Um, it's probably a poor example. I know the 49ers played horribly last week. I can't even say that they had a good first half. They just didn't play well. Jimmy Garoppolo was not good, and, you know, he's still healing. But, uh, you know, I'll use it as an example anyways. It's like the 49ers starting off good. They have a good first half, right? Okay, that first half is good, but what is it? what good does it do to play good in football for the first half if you come out after halftime 
and you just lay an egg in the second half and you don't play well at all. It's like, what's the point? You just, you did not do good. You got to play good for 60 minutes of football in order to win the game. For us as Christians, we need to be through and through the whole time. You know, we, it's not, it's not good enough to just get saved and we start off on fire and we just fizzle out, right? Somewhere along the line, we lose our first love. The Bible's clear. Go back to your first love. Be on fire for your first love. Don't let the cares and the things and the troubles of this world drown out the fire in your heart for Christ, right? We're in that now. It's easy for us. It could be easy for us to say, you know what? I'm just going to hang this up because the pandemic, it's been difficult. I haven't been to church physically for seven months. You know, I'm just kind of going to do my own thing and kind of let this whole thing play out. No, this like they like the, the men said in the Samaritan's Purse video, this is the exact time that we have to step it up. This is the exact time that we need to kick it in overdrive, get another burst of energy, you know, seek the Lord even harder, press into him more. Make sure your prayer time is on point. Get before the Lord on your face, on your knees. This is the exact time to do it. This is not the time to bail out. This is not the time to get wishy-washy and loosey-goosey about your faith. This is the time you need to press in. I need to press in. One of our responsibilities in Christ is to help build up other believers. If we and those around us, right, if we're still in the same place that we were two years ago, spiritually speaking, that's not a good look, right? That is not, that's not a good look. I don't want my daughter to be two years old and still doing exactly the same thing she's doing or seeing my son at five years old still doing the same things he was doing at two. That's not good. There should be a maturation. There should be visible evidence, you know, tangible evidence of me being able to see you're maturing. You're on the trajectory to grow, to be better, to be, you know, to, to become mature. And that's the same thing for us spiritually. Um, we want to we want to go from being born again to crawling, to walking, to running, right? If we're still crawling and rolling around spiritually, it's time that we start running laps. Amen. Hebrews chapter five, verses 12 through 11, uh, 14 tell us this. For though By this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And... Um, you know, that's that was Paul's whole point, right? That was the whole point of him going back to all these churches is he wanted to see people grow, see people mature, see people, you know, be, uh, you know, be all they can be in Christ to be used to help others grow in their relationship. And we should have the same desire to see those around us in Christ grow. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and pray. And then I'll, I'll, I'll share the, uh, the last couple worship songs. Sorry, looks like, all right. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just come before you again. And Father, I thank you for just uh, your word and how it's it's always timely, Lord. There's, we, every time we open up your word, you're going to speak to our exact point of what we're doing in our, in our purpose in you, Lord. And, and I'm just grateful that you show yourself true in all instances, Lord. We, we long to 
to know you. We long to, 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 to thrive in you, Lord. We, we want to see those around us grow in their faith, Lord. We want to be those who uh, are, are patient, Lord. And, and, and maybe, you know, it, things are taking longer than we thought, but your timing is perfect, Lord. So help us, Lord, to, to grow in our patience, Lord, but also help us, Lord, when you tell us to go, let us help us to go. Help us to not be second guessing and, and wondering what we're supposed to do, but get us out of the block so we can be on in the race of, uh, uh, of what we're supposed to be doing in our spiritual lives. Father, I pray that you would just continue to give wisdom, guidance, vision, and direction in all the things we're to do as as your church here at Resilient Life. And may you equip us for the works that you have for us to do in the near future. Lord, we, we look to praise you and honor you in all that we do. Help us to share the love of Christ with those around us. May we see your church grow. May we see your church flourish. May, may unbelievers come and, and be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And may their souls be saved. And may uh, the, the, the kingdom of heaven rejoice over, over those who, who uh, are convicted to repent of their sins, Lord. We, we just want to be uh, used at your disposal for, for your glory of for your honor, Lord, because you deserve it. You are the only one worthy of it. And so we thank you and love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.